Carol Evans, Capability Brown Festival Director. Sounds a very posh name for Capability Brown. Do you think he'd have been proud? Well, quite possibly so. I mean, he was the Royal Gardener, so I've got a long way to go. <laughs> hundred years. It's difficult to believe, isn't it, that he had such an effect on our landscape, but he did. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, if you think about the impact of the work he did, um, he literally changed what people think the English country landscape looks like because all that lovely naturalistic um, looking landscape, the, the, the hills, the, the clumps of trees, the serpentine lakes, um, everyone thinks, oh, that's, that's very English. But actually, he kind of put that there. A lot of the stuff that was there before didn't look like that. No, he put bridges in, didn't he, and pretended streams ran into lakes and things Ab- like that. <laughs> Absolutely. So basically, what looks like a river isn't really a river. It's very often a drainage system that's actually helping improve the quality of the land. But my God, it looks pretty. <laughs> I always think of him, and it's always a bit controversial, I always think of him as a bit of a chancer, because if you put him in today's world, He'd be going up to wealthy people and saying, now, come on, guys, you've got a boring landscape. I can improve it. We can chuck a few trees in there, (laughs) put a bit of a lake in here. I mean, that's how I feel. I'm not very popular for that idea, but do you think that's a bit of the way he would have been? Well, uh, he was certainly a great salesman, um, and he seems to have been very popular with his clients. Um, Do you think he was a ladies' man, or do you think he appealed to the men? Well, I think he probably was very good at getting on with, with everybody. I think he'd have to be careful not to overflirt with the ladies, because I imagine that would have been, uh, you know... not head chopped Well, it wouldn't have been, would have been frowned <laughs> upon, quite possibly. He might have lost you some contracts. Um, but he basically seemed to be able to get on very, very well with people. In a lot of his writing, um, his letters, he, um, he, he talks to people um, about uh, drinking a bottle of Tokai with one of his clients. He's writing back home to his wife. Um, and Tokai was not exactly an inexpensive wine at the time. So they're obviously um, socialising and getting on, as well as, as actually just doing the, the everyday business. And, I mean, his whole nickname, because he was actually born Lancelot Brown, itself quite an interesting name, um, and it's supposed to apparently come from his habit of going around landscapes, doing a tour of them, and then saying to the owner, oh, your landscape has great capabilities, and that nickname seemed to have stuck. <laughs> um, possibly, you know, a landscape architect or a landscape designer, or even a landscaper, would be doing just the same. Walk into a blank canvas mm-hmm. green and say... My word, we could do something with your garden. And well, that's it's the same thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's basically, I mean, you've got to sell your vision to people. So um, you start off with a, with a great compliment and then people warm up to you and then you can start suggesting, well, what about this? What about that? Um, and of course, you know, if, if some of the leading lights of the day have got something like that, you kind of want something too. And it's showing that you're, you know, you're one of the, the in crowd. You have got one of these these Keeping up with the Joneses in a way. In fact, the very posh Joneses, but definitely the Joneses. One from, and he jumped yes. from one house to another house to another house. That's didn't right. He? So he was head gardener at Stone for 10 years. And there he got, because um, basically that was the first um, garden that was really open for tourism. It's a very early version of tourism. People, there is a guidebook from his time um, that people used to buy and actually go on tours of, of, of the garden. Um, and so basically, Everyone heard about Stowe and they wanted to see things. And then so lots of people came to visit Lord Cobham who owned it. Um, and he'd obviously show them round his pride and joy. Um, and then people would say, well, I wouldn't mind one of those. So when Brown left there, that's how he was able to start running his own independent business because he had a, a list of people who'd sort of expressed an interest in, in his work. Do you think we call him a landscape gardener, do you think, today? Well, 
probably landscape architect actually because gardening is quite a small word in effect for what he did I mean he did the equivalent of building multiple um, Olympic parks in he the did modern really, concert didn't he? and it wasn't just gardening he also built buildings he built houses he built churches he built chapels um, and he also caused quite a few villages to be actually moved completely um, so you know this this wasn't just um, on a small scale you're looking at estates so Blenheim for instance it's the it's the equivalent of a thousand football pitches um, so Pretty you know large, this this is this is this is estate management this is Big massive um, and he did it all with men and horses not diggers and in fact I mean, he was one of the first people that actually moved large trees, didn't he? He'd dig yeah. trees out of forest areas and plant them in people's gardens. Absolutely. So um, he invented this uh, rather clever contraption, which meant you could um, gradually dig the tree up and actually flip it onto a, a horse and cart, and then you could drag it off to wherever you wanted to put it. But of course, um, when you got to the, the, the other end, the roots are so big that actually, because it was um, you didn't have mechanical diggers, it was literally done by hand, you couldn't really dig a hole necessarily big enough to put the entire root ball in. So you'd actually have to put a bit in the ground and then mound the rest of the soil up around it. So you can very often spot if it's a tree that was moved because it's, it sort of sits on this slight hump in the ground. <laughs> So have we got lots of gardens that are capability brown that we can go and look at? Oh, absolutely. Well, we know he worked on around, or advised on, around 250 sites in his day. That's a lot. So that's an awful lot, particularly when you think about, it's mostly in England, a little bit into Wales, um, and all of it, he visited them all on horseback and things like that. Um, but uh, this year, we are looking at at least 60 sites are going to be open quite regularly for you to be able to go and see. Some are owned by National Trust, some are owned by National... Uh, English Heritage and also uh, a lot of members of the Historic Houses Association as well are opening. Some are opening um, who don't normally open, um, some are open all year round. Um, if you go on our website, um, which, which is, is www.capabilitybrown.org, um, we actually have an interactive map on there that shows you where they are in the country. You can search by your postcode or the postcode of where your in-laws might live when you're going for a visit. Um, and there's tons and tons of events on there to do with Capability Brown on Brown sites or elsewhere as well. Um, um, and so there'll be hundreds of events from this Easter until the end of October. And the thing that intrigues me more than anything on that is that some of the gardens are going to be open that don't normally open. And of course, that is something to really grasp, oh, isn't it? Absolutely. And we're partnering with the National Garden Scheme, NGS, um, and they are helping to support um, some of these sites opening, including South Hill, which is opening for one day in June this year. So um, get in fast would be my advice on that one.